welcome to Silux, the podcast where we talk about scientific developments and technological changes in Luxembourg. And in today's show, we start the second season of our podcast and we have a very special guest. So this season is going to also include some interviews with scientists working in Luxembourg. And the first scientist I managed to invite is Dr. Guy Fagerazzi, who works at the Luxembourg Institute of Health. He is the director of the Department of Population Health, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about the project that he works on, which is called Co-Life Voice. He will be also telling about other research developments and webinar organized by LIH. In case you're listening to this podcast a few weeks later, the webinar he talks about is on the 30th of November and you can find out the details about the previous and following webinars on the LIH website. Of course, as usual, I'm going to share all the details and the things that we discussed in our show notes. And you can also count on me reminding you about important data and links at the end of this podcast in case you get interested only later on. But now on to my guest. First of all, thank you very much for coming today and for joining me to discuss a little bit your research and what you're doing. What I would like to start with is uh, if you could tell us uh, something more about CoLive Voice. Yeah, absolutely. I can t- I can tell you a bit more about CoLive Voice. CoLive Voice is an international uh, research initiative that has been launched by the Luxembourg Institute of Health and my group. And basically, it's an international screening platform to identify what we call vocal biomarkers. And I can define what vocal biomarkers in a second. But basically, we are trying to collect clinical and health information on a lot of participants coming from all around the world and also recording their voice with five standardized voice recordings. And we try to use voice features to see how we can better monitor health in these participants. Okay, how is the collection going? The collection is very simple. You have a direct uh, link on the web that you can follow. You can access it from your smartphone, your tablet, or a laptop with a microphone. Basically, you can read the informed consent, you can consent to participate, and then you have a few questions to answer on your health, your individual characteristics, the treatments you may take, or the drugs you have, and the disease you can have as well. And then you will have to perform five different voice recordings. You can have to read a pre-specified text that lasts about 25 to 30 seconds. You have to say ah, as long as possible in one single breath. You have to count from one to 20 and you have to breathe in and breathe out three times and cough three times as well. And these recordings are then processed with AI approaches to identified vocal biomarkers. So that's pretty clear, but of course I have a lot of questions on that. So first of all, uh, why are you collecting different samples? So I've read that sometimes it can be just the ah voice or sometimes some pre-prepared text. So what's the reason for that? Actually, we are using some specific voice recordings for a specific research question and other for other research questions. When we want to tackle some um, very important uh, symptoms such as, let's say, fatigue or pain that we would like to monitor throughout voice, usually we can work with the pre-specified text, which is a very good resource to identify vocal biomarkers for monitoring fatigue, for instance, and also the uh, as long as possible. These are good 
voice uh, recordings for that. For other purposes, for instance, when you want to work on uh, respiratory syndromes, the cough, of course, is really helpful for that. So we are trying to collect these different uh, recordings, and then we tackle different research questions. And depending on the research question, we are using more one or the other voice recording type. So this means that you are not focusing only on one disease in this uh, study. Absolutely. Coli voice is uh, very general. We are looking at the health of uh, the population in general, but we have some focuses of interest still. We are very much interested in working to monitor the health of people with cancer, people with diabetes, people with COVID-19, and people with any mental health issues such as stress, anxiety, depression. And we are starting now, it's the the next step, uh, to look at neurodegenerative disorders such as Parkinson's disease. We are also looking at uh, people with multiple sclerosis. But now the the most important research we are currently doing is focused on COVID-19, cancer, and diabetes. Okay, so COVID-19 came at the right moment in a way, because, or did you start start before or during, or what was the story here? Actually, Coli Voice is a follow-up project. And the the first step we took uh, regarding vocal biomarkers was for COVID-19, actually. We, de- we designed at the very beginning of the pandemic in Luxembourg a cohort study that is called PREDICOVID, where we record voice um, in people who have been infected by SARS-CoV-2. And we used voice to detect uh, signals that can be helpful for monitoring symptoms in people with COVID-19. And this was the starting point of uh, our this research activity. And now that we have a strong expertise, we have methodology to do so, we are extending our uh, research activities to other outcomes than COVID-19. You also mentioned Parkinson's disease, but isn't that one of the diseases that is more researched from the vi- vocal standpoint? Absolutely. The, the voice and vocal biomarker uh, research field comes from the field of neurodegenerative disorders. Already 20 years ago, there was some researcher uh, listening to, to, to people with Parkinson's disease and their voice to see how the disease evolves over time and to see how throughout voice changes, we can better monitor people with Parkinson's disease. So now what we try to do is thanks to the increasing and easy access to voice recording we have with digital technologies. We are trying to expand this uh, research field to other outcomes to help people with other conditions than just Parkinson's or Alzheimer's disease. Okay, I understand. I also know that you specialized in diabetes research. Is that also part of the coli voice? Absolutely. My my main background is in the field of uh, people with type 1 and type 2 diabetes. And we are very much interested in in this group of people because, um, for instance, what we can see in people with type 1 diabetes is that they frequently experience what we call diabetes distress, which is a a strong burden of managing the disease on a daily daily basis. And uh, it's sometimes difficult to uh, identify, to detect diabetes distress and to monitor if someone is improving or declining in terms of his his or her distress. So we are using voice to identify vocal biomarkers of uh, diabetes distress. This is one of the current research activities we have. The the other um, uh, diabetes-related project is to detect hypoglycemia in thanks to voice to see if we can easily prevent in the future some uh, hypoglycemia events in people with diabetes. So it's not just diabetes, it's more about the hypoglycemia and distress. You can't just uh, record voice and know, okay, this person has, I don't know, a declining situation in that or whatever. 
we, we are also um, in another project related to coli voice. We are trying to use the, 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 the coli voice data to see if we can detect and have a screening tool of diabetes, whether we can predict if someone has or has not diabetes just on voice. But at the moment, we have just preliminary results, so I cannot really comment on this, but I can just say that it's very promising. We have very good first results on that because it seems that people with diabetes have different voice signatures than the general population. So we might someday have something to uh, create a detection tool or screening tool for people with diabetes. That's good news for sure. I'll be keeping my fingers crossed for that. But when it comes to just collecting the voice, are you finding it easy or difficult for participants to, to record themselves? It's really easy now to collect voice because uh, what we want to do is monitor health in the real life. So we want to rely on existing technologies that everybody can access to. And most of the participants of uh, Coli Voice are using directly their smartphones or their tablets to record voice. And it's very intuitive. Yes, that I understand. But just to, uh, I, what I mean is finding people to actually participate. How is that going? Because oh. what I what I would say maybe as a layman is that especially for the diabetes uh, type 2 it would be probably older people who most probably are not, uh, you know, on Twitter or whatever, just to, to check out and then participate voluntarily to record their voices. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I'm interested in. Of course, re recruiting, uh, um, our objective is to recruit up to 50,000 people participants in the, in the next five years all over all over the world. So it's very ambitious. We are just at the beginning now. We have just a few months of data collection behind us. And... Um, what we can see is that we really have to communicate a lot about voice because someone with diabetes was not really familiar with the um, with the concept of vocal biomarkers might just not understand why these researchers are interested in voice how can it be helpful for me to manage my disease on a daily basis they might not understand directly so we have to really communicate about and simplify also how it can be used so this is the, the the biggest challenge we are facing at the moment. But still, we have quite uh, interesting results in, term, in terms of participation rate. We have good results now. We have already been able to collect a few hundreds of participants from all over the world. And this is very good. We have people from America, from Australia, from Africa, from Asia, and they are all willing to, to donate voice to, to move this field forward. So this is really exciting. That is perfect. And of course, we are in Luxembourg, so that question has to appear as well. What about the language? Because whenever you have research, it's like, okay, yes, I want yeah. to participate, but what about the language? The language is a key determinant in the field of uh, vocal biomarker, of course, because um, the voice features might change according to the languages, according to the accents, but also according to the age of the, 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 the patients or the gender, for instance. All of these factors may have an impact on our findings. So that's why we need to go international from scratch. We cannot just rely on one language, for instance, because we want to be as inclusive as possible and to make sure that the vocal biomarkers we are developing are applicable for everybody. So Luxembourg is a very good place to start because we can already work with multiple languages and we have um, in the context of COVID-19, for instance, we have been able to identify vocal biomarkers for monitoring uh, the symptomatic status of people with COVID-19. And this works very well, regardless of whether the person is speaking French, German, Luxembourgish, Portuguese, or English. So this is really exciting. We can see that there are some voice features that are language independent or disease or gender independent. And this is uh, what is really uh, hopeful for us. 
So going deeper into the, the voice recording itself, what I want to understand again uh, from a layman perspective is, let's say you focus on one disease, let's say Parkinson's. Parkinson's, I guess, will be easier, right? Because this, the, the generation of voice is, is more uh, noticeable. So you collect the samples and you try to look for patterns. That's, that's what you do on the basis of the AI that helps you find the patterns. Is that how it works? Or? Yeah, yeah, the different steps are as follows. Basically, we collect voice and we have the raw audio signal uh, from each uh, people. And we have two groups, people with and without the disease or with or without the symptom of interest. So let's say Parkinson. Then the audio signal, uh, from the audio signal, we extract uh, almost 6,000 audio features from uh, the, the raw signals. And these, all of these variables, these 6,000 features, we include this into an AI model to predict whether the, someone has or has not Parkinson or whether the, the disease evolves over time. This is one option. The second option is to convert the uh, audio signals into an image, and we call this a spectrogram. And then we feed AI models and deep learning algorithms with these images to also to predict the, the clinical or health outcomes of interest. So this is how it works. So there are two different possibilities. And to, what, the, uh, what does it depend on which one you use? Or you do you do it parallelly? We, we do it in parallel. We test both. And uh, at some point, we combine them also uh, to improve the accuracy of the different uh, prediction models we have. So it really depends. We test we, we test them systematically and we see what's the best strategy for the given outcome of interest. Talking of outcomes, can you already to, uh, tell something about, for example, from the pre-COVID uh, results, how successful you were with that? Yeah, the, the best example I can give you is the three current uh, uh, papers we are currently publishing. Uh, the, the first outcome of interest is monitoring the symptomatic status of someone with COVID-19 or someone with long COVID. Um, we can monitor just with 25 seconds of voice recordings and we can predict if someone still has symptoms or is or if he or she is asymptomatic. This is very helpful for the future. Let's imagine that we can include these vocal biomarkers into rehabilitation programs for people with long COVID. They still have very impairing symptoms after one year since the infection and they enter uh, rehabilitation programs. Thanks to voice, we can really see the progress or the decline of the different symptoms thanks to the rehabilitation program. So this is how we want to help uh, patients. We want to include this in uh, clinical practice, in telemonitoring solutions. So this is a, an example. The other two I have in mind is um, for monitoring fatigue in people with COVID-19 and long COVID. It's the most frequent symptoms in people with long COVID. And we have very good results. We have accuracies for the AI models up to uh, 85 to 90%. So this is really encouraging. And the last one, which is the most surprising for me, was the uh, we can predict the loss of taste and smell based on voice. And uh, this is... Uh, this is very surprising. You're right. And how? Uh, how is yeah, this was... This was unexpected, and I cannot really understand why. We have some hypotheses from a, a physiological point of view, but we could not imagine at the beginning that we could predict that good with that level of accuracy the, the loss of taste and smell in people with COVID-19. So this is also a project we are trying to publish now, and we have also very good results for that. 
Moving on, as you know, I hope uh, that you've listened to our podcast before. We ha always have this part where we are asking uh, a pop quiz style question. So I have actually an idea for the question, but uh, if you have also something we could ask our listeners that we will reveal later on would be great. Yeah, I have one also. I have an idea. I've mentioned diabetes distress and uh, people with uh, diabetes, they have to take uh, an impossible number of uh, decisions every day to manage their disease properly. And uh, we could ask to the the, this fo the following question, how many decisions per day a, a person with diabetes has to take for uh, managing his or her diabetes? And uh, I don't know if you want me to, to say the answer now, but the, the answer is... No, I will, I will ask you later on. <laughs> okay. okay, so there is That's a little fine. bit... Uh, I have less editing in the podcast okay. if, you, if you answer. And I'm very happy because I know the answer. Okay. So Good. I would be one of the people who could answer the question. And I hope there are more. And we will, of course, reveal that later. And my idea of a question was actually something I should have asked you in the very beginning. What are biomarkers? Because that's the word you are using so much, yeah. vocal biomarkers as such. But we can reveal it now. And I'm sorry for the <laughs> problems. This is my daughter who is sick, unfortunately. Okay. And not happy to be in the other room. So basically, a, a biomarkers uh, biomarkers are very traditional uh, word we hear very frequently in health and medical research. Let's imagine that um, the vocal biomarker is just an extension of a traditional biomarker. A biomarker, let's think about your cholesterol level, the glycemia level. These are biomarkers that can help you monitor. They give you insights about a specific condition, a specific health status, and it has to be validated. It has, it has to be reproducible. And uh, for that, this defines what a biomarker is. And now if you want to transfer this definition into the, into the field of digital biomarkers, biomarkers and vocal biomarkers, this is the exact same uh, characteristics. A vocal biomarker has to be reproducible, has to be validated, and he has to indicate a specific uh, outcome or specific symptom in uh, a certain population, like patients with diabetes, with cancer, uh, whatever. But this is still new research, right? So can we already talk about uh, validated vocal biomarkers? We are in the process of validating a few vocal biomarkers, but uh, the difficulty we have and the challenges we have is that there are no not many databases and data sets we can use to validate externally our findings because we are just a few labs in the world working on vocal biomarkers for the moment. So there are not a lot of data and resources we could tap in to validate in another context uh, our findings. So this is the main challenge we have for the moment, but the field is growing very rapidly and um, I'm very sure that in the next five years, we will have more data to work with and we will see the first clinical practice applications of uh, vocal biomarkers. And what about digital biomarkers? What's the difference between vocal and digital? Digital biomarkers is broader. Digi vocal biomarkers is a subgroup of digital biomarkers. You can have also other digital biomarkers that can rely not on voice, but let's say, for instance, uh, data from connected devices or from smartphones that can indicate a specific state. Let's talk about the, the most basic uh, information is the number of steps per day you can you can take. And this is an information you have in your smartphone. This could be considered somehow as a digital biomarker. And uh, vocal biomarkers is just a subgroup of that. Could we also say that the, these digital biomarkers uh, are collected by all these big companies nowadays to also tell a bit more about us? Or that's something, that's a different field? The interest of collecting voice uh, for 
marketing or commercial purposes is also increasing. That's true. But we have to be very careful to not confuse what we are doing with what big companies are doing with voice. Basically, uh, we want to engage patients with their healthcare and the health monitoring on a daily basis thanks to voice. It will still be, for now, an active choice of the, the patient to record the voice for monitoring his or her own health. We are not going to passively collect and record and analyze voice without the consent of the patient. So this is very different from what the other big companies not in the healthcare system could, could do with voice. And I'm glad you mentioned that, right? Because I guess nowadays, maybe some people would not want to participate because of these concerns, right? We are already getting a bit panicky about who collects what and for what purpose. Voice is a very sensitive uh, data and source of information. So all the, 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 the people in the population might not want to share voice if they don't understand how we can directly benefit from this uh, voice recording. So we have to also educate a lot and explain very uh, in a very transparent manner how we are processing voice, how we are collecting the data, and how they could benefit to better understand themselves, to better follow their diseases, thanks to just a few seconds of voice recording. So we have to be very transparent. We also ensure a very high uh, security in terms of data storage and data processing this is also very important otherwise we would not get an approval from the the different participants to share data with us of course and talking of sensitivity i also noticed that for now you're collecting voice but the idea is also to accompany it with video in order to see a bit more the fatigue and emotions is that true this is a a more a midterm objective is to increase the um, the range of data we collect. We are starting with the voice because we have already a lot of information going through uh, the, the voice in terms of uh, health. But at some point, if you want to improve the diagnosis, the detection of symptoms, a video can be also very uh, informative because you have the facial expressions, for instance, you can detect maybe in, in a more accurate fashion the mental health issues in people uh, thanks to videos rather than just voice. So this is the next step. And other next steps? What are your ambitious plans for now we have, uh, I would say for the next five years, we will focus entirely on voice, identifying and validating vocal biomarkers in different conditions such as cancer, diabetes and COVID-19, for instance. And then we will try to bring this into clinical practice. This is very important for me. I want that this vocal biomarker as are used by, by patients to improve their health and monitoring. And But next, in the next maybe five to 10 years, we will try to progressively include other sources of information such as uh, videos, and we will try to have the same approach, but with other uh, raw data to work with, not just voice, but also uh, videos, for instance. Okay, so I will, I'll be following you very closely because I think it's a very interesting and important field of research and good luck with that. But before we say goodbye, I will, of course, ask you to answer the question that we've asked our listeners before. So what's the answer? So the answer is usually a typical person with diabetes has to take up to 180 decisions per day related to the disease management and diabetes management. And it's a lot. Someone with diabetes has to think almost constantly about his or her disease, and he has to manage his daily lives according to the disease. And it can, for some people, 
lead to what we call diabetes distress or even diabetes burnout, which is a very important condition. And we have to make sure that we can ease the life of people with diabetes thanks to digital technologies. And I'm really con con convinced that with voice, we can help them to improve their day-to-day -day disease management. Yes, 180, that's a lot. I also read that it's counted as 600 hours per year. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's pretty much the, the, the same number I have. And, and it's a lot, just managing the disease on the their own and um, they are only seeing up to six hours per year uh, diabetologist or clinical uh, practitioner and the rest of the time they just have to manage their disease on their own and it's very very uh, demanding absolutely and also needs a lot of support from the from the closer family because i have some uh, people with diabetes in my family and it can get on our nerves sometimes i have to say because it's always like okay are we eating now not because i have to plan my dose and everything and it's always that that kind of factor okay we can't go for a trip because then uh, my insulin and whatever so so it's really really important yeah. So that's, that was very, very interesting. Thank you very much for joining. I hope this is not the last time we're going to discuss uh, no. all the research that you're doing at uh, Luxembourg Institute of Health, because I have a lot of questions about the phenotyping, about uh, so many different things you're doing. Also, I would like to inform our listeners, uh, I tried joining yesterday, so it is possible to listen to the webinars that you're organizing on was that yesterday? No, two days ago, on Tuesdays, right? The yeah. webinars. Can you tell us a little bit more about the webinars? What are they about? Sure. Our Department of Precision Health at the Luxembourg Institute of Health is organizing uh, every Tuesday um, uh, a webinar series on precision public health. And we are discussing various topics on public health, epidemiology, clinical research. And the next one, next Tuesday, is about digital health and AI. And I will have the pleasure to share this session. We will have a, a guest speaker from uh, Switzerland. We'll talk about digital epidemiology. And we will have also uh, experts from LIH to talk about their research. So yeah, please feel free to join. It's free. You will have access to the videos and you can listen to our researchers about this uh, exciting topic. And from my side, I can add also that it's not just research speak and jargon. There are also some of, of the participants I listened to are really good communicators. So it was very interesting because there were also explanations that, that let me understand certain research. So yes, don't be afraid. Don't think that this is only for specialists. No, it's very, it's very much uh, accessible and uh, everybody can understand what we are talking about. So once again, thank you very much. Our guest today was Dr. Guy Fagarazzi. Thanks for having me. And this is it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show, this different approach to Silax with an interview. In case you really want to check out the next interviews, remember to follow us, to subscribe, go to Twitter, Facebook, or just uh, the Silux Buzzsprout account. And let me just remind you as well that you can learn more about Call Live Project at calllivevoice.org website. And I will also share this link in my show notes as well, other information that we discussed today during the interview. Thank you very much. My name is Hanna Siemaszko and this was Silux. Music